And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Benched with Bubba, episode 636. Going to wrap up the American League, the AL West of the team-by-team previews for the 2024 fantasy baseball season. In order to do so, we're talking some Seattle Mariners baseball, a team that got to the dance last year, came up short, but, you know, got a lot, a lot of expectations in the Pacific Northwest with the pitching staff, with J-Rod and company. So let me preview their 2024 season. He's returning from last year's preview show. We've had him on other episodes of Bench of Bubba, episodes of Bubba in the Bloom. You guys know him at Rotowire, Baseball HQ, does a ton of uh, football work as well, which I probably miss half of those places um, throughout there. But he's a busy, busy man at all times. You can find him on Twitter at Corbin underscore Young 21. Corbin Young, how you doing, my friend? I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, much better from early in the week. Thanks for being flexible. And yeah, too much going on right now. But you know, football postseason is winding down here, so we got to pick up steam on that other sport. Yeah, that other sport. I've seen you tweeting a little more about it, so I can tell you're starting to get into it. You had an article come out at Rotowire recently, so you're st- – I think you, you even had an HQ article, I think. Yeah, for, oh, yeah, one of, uh, one of the first uh, off-season yeah, a week or so, weeks, week or so yeah. ago. Yeah. yeah, so you're you're turning and going here. You're, at least you're getting to that point as football winds down. There's still a couple more weeks, and we're recording right after the uh, – Bills Chiefs games or the conference title games are all set for next weekend. So technically Corbin has like three games left. <laughs> but he's he's tweeting college stuff too. So he's getting ready for combines and it doesn't sleep, my friend, does it? No, no, you know how this goes. It's a hobby and just, you know, just keeps on keeps on going, you know. Yep. Yep. It's always something. But uh we're gonna talk Seattle Mariners. Uh to tonight and before we get into the 2024 stuff just as someone that like roots for the team and and obviously likes fantasy as well but just more of a rooting aspect what were your thoughts on how 2023 went down were you like really excited about it were you still kind of disappointed how did you feel in the end on that one i mean just a year prior right like even making the playoffs and playing the astros like that's you know it's just it was been way 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 too long (laughs) so i mean the fact that you know, we're coming to this point where we're pushing for playoff spots and stuff like that, but they still come up short. And it seems mostly on the offensive end. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I, I as we age, you know, as we get older, I try to be more of a level-headed sports fan, <laughs> whether it's fantasy or not, you know, not letting a game or a, a season kind of ruin my month or week and just kind of appreciating for what it is and based on some of the pretty – you know, terrible teams before, you know, at least there's some talent and some players to root for that, Definitely. that, uh, you know, can give you something excited to watch baseball. And well, yeah, if I'm a Mariners fan, I'm pretty pumped on what I saw last year. At least there's some, some optimism moving forward. And we're going to talk about some of the big pieces of optimism, but there's also some, you know, maybe questionable things we'll discuss as well. And this off season has been quite interesting with, uh, we always have dealing to Poto, you know, you know, always trading Jerry, whatever. There's a million nicknames. A dude like had a heart attack and was doing trades from the hospital bed a couple of years ago. He just, he's always wheeling and dealing. And it's been an interesting off season. Uh, if you want to go through the, the, the litany of moves or you just want to kind of generalize it, it's up to you. Like as a Mariners fan, it felt like a lot of just moving parts with maybe a couple pieces that made sense. But as a whole, it wasn't like a too many major splashes for as many moves that took place, I guess. Um, how do you feel about it? Yeah, I feel like last year we had this conversation and just kind of look at the roster. It was like there's lacking depth, you know, and it was like, you know, when you're going with Sam Haggerty and Dylan Moore and these guys, and I mean, they're still there, you know, it's, it's kind of your 
I mean, even Jared Kelnick, like, you know, it's a kind of a, hoping that he'd be reliable. It didn't quite happen, but, um, you know, it's kind of lacking depth there. And, and I kind of look at the roster now and it's, uh, you know, it's just kind of miss, miss, you know, mix and match here and replace something with another thing, right? You know, no Eugenio Suarez, but then we get Mitch Carver. Not that he's the same guy, but, you know, kind of replacing like some offensive juice that we need and mm-hmm. um it's it, there's some good moves you know some pieces that you know it's like jose caballero i mean you know could be a pretty good utility player but you know in the end maybe not not necessary but um i'd say about even you know i, I don't know what the like money wise look like you know there's all that stuff on social media of just like selling 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 but i mean they you know i i think they, i they're also not haven't been trying to give up you know players that have a lot of value right like in the previous ownership or you know general managers and stuff they you know that that adam jones kind of trade for the orioles so six in my mind and those kind of moves right where you're, you're giving up these these talents for like a starting pitcher or something when you're not really that's not the move you need to make so i do appreciate them kind of keeping most of the you know main guys and trying to build around that and see what happens but yeah, that's why it's kind of it's just whenever I see the moves, I'm looking at it going, okay, it's definitely a baseball related move. He's looking to add depth somewhere. Is this where depth needed to be at? Like, there's a million of those type of scenarios, but like you said, they're not really giving up major pieces that are like game changing pieces to your team at the same time. So that's a promising. So it's one of those like, if why not try to like build somewhere else type thing and see where it works. So we'll see. Time will tell on those. But yeah, just sitting back, you're like, well, we're doing something, but are we doing something? And that's, hey, it's better than the Giants, okay? We aren't doing anything. So there's that. Um, Let's talk about some of these key players. Then We'll we'll start with the bats. And the first few are pretty kind of self-explanatory, but we'll talk about them for sure. And we'll start with the main one. He's basically the third overall pick in the NFBC draft champions right now over the last, um, like, you know, since since January first, basically, his ADP is two point seven. He's going right behind Bobby Witt. Uh, he's gone as high as two, as low as four. He's pretty much supplanted into the number three spot. That's J Rod Julio Rodriguez. Uh, great sophomore season with the Seattle Mariners. We saw him improve to a, a 32-37 with one hundred two runs, one hundred three RBIs, hit two seventy five. Monster second half, as we all know from paying attention. It's ridiculous second half. But what's your thoughts on J Rod now? It's like this will be year three. We've seen him, you know, do really well at the same time. It might not be peaking because he's going to be, you know, 23 years old for crying out loud. So, um, what's your thoughts on J Rod? Yeah, I mean, I, I was trying to look at some of the notes last year, right? Like a lot of the current concerns were like too many ground balls and maybe a little lucky in the home run, uh, per fly ball department. Um, but you know, he still hits the ball really hard. Um, you know, pretty much near elite power rates, you know, exit velocities on fly balls and line drives. Um, you know, so there might be some concerns around the plate discipline, you know, chasing a little bit more than the league average, um, you know, not necessarily making as much contact, um, you know, but it's just, you know, and then it's still looking at, again, this, you know, 2023, it's the same idea, right? Ground balls, you know, a little efficient in home run fly ball, you know, uh, you know, chases a little more. Um, he did make a little more contact in the zone. Um, you know, I think that's maybe a little bit of indication that he, you know, he also swings a little more. So sometimes we see that in guys like, uh, like Bobachette or another one was like Von Grissom was looking at when there's that trade, right? Some of these guys that are like, I think they're pretty good hitters. They swing a little more than, um, and they're not being as passive, you know, so it may look like they're chasing a little bit, but they're also making decent amount of 
uh, zone contact as well. So I think that might be given an indication to us in the kind of the head tool that Rodriguez has um, and ability to make contact, you know, even with a more aggressive approach. And, I, you know, I put I put in something in a note here. I mean, I think he's one of the few players, you know, him and Bobby Witt that could probably push for that, you know, $60 season that Ron Acuna put up or, or at least like put up like a pretty outstanding season, like where we just can't believe it. And I, I think he's just one of those players that, you know, based on how you start. I mean, I can't, you can't go wrong with him or, you know, Bobby Wood or whatever you're picking at too. Right. So yep. we're on the hundred percent on the same page. Like I said it on the Royals show with Kevin Hastings that, you know, what's technically number two, but like I said too, his is like a 2.63 ADP and, and J Rods is 2.67. So literally it's, it, it probably is almost an even trade of who gets picked second type scenario. And, um, you, and the thing you said though, that I hundred percent agree is, with Wit and now you got J Rod, both are so young still, like really young. There could be a whole other level, which is scary to think about. And like you said, there goes the Acuna type season we saw. And I don't know if we'll ever see the Acuna, but like you said, Acuna was like a $75 player, 60 still like lights out. You don't see very often stuff. Acuna was just that crazy last year. So I'm with you there. Yeah. And we had, I feel like we had similar conversations with Acuna, you know, a few years back, right? Like too many Grimbals or chasing a little bit too much. And, you know, sometimes I think we get into this habit of overanalyzing a little bit when there's someone that's just really talented. So sometimes just trust the talent and uh, see where it goes from there type thing. Um, One of the accusations accusations you did make this past off season was Mitch Garver uh, coming to the Mariners set up to DH for the most part. We know Garver went healthy and it's always kind of the thing with Mitch Garver, tons of power. He had 19 home runs in 87 games last year at 270, which is pretty good for him actually, but all things considered, he, um, you know, pretty solid ball player to put in the middle of your order as a DH could catch if necessary. So what's your thoughts on him as ADP is 185 right now. So not costing you much. Yeah. Yeah. I was kind of, um, when there was like rumors about Mitch Carver signing and then, you know, getting them, I was kind of texting back and forth with Dave Swan about them. And we're just like, I mean, I just kind of like the move, right. We're looking for offense, right. The Mariners looking for offense, and that's what Garvey gives, right? He matches, you know, health can be a concern. Like I was just trying to look at plate appearances. Like he hasn't had 400 plate appearances, you know? So it's like, that can be a concern. Um, you know, it sounds like he'll probably DH, you know, maybe maybe give Cal Raleigh a day off here and there. Uh, but, you know, he, he has kind of the skills that we look for in separators, right? He has really, really good play discipline. He doesn't really chase. He hits the ball really hard. Um, you know, he's got a career 142 XPX. That's kind of the expected power metric that baseball HQ uses with 100 being average. So he hits the ball really, really hard. Um, and, you know, he might not have the ceiling of Cal Raleigh, but he's kind of just, a, I think, like a cheaper version, right? Just might hurt you in batting average, hits the ball really hard. Um, you know, kind of a discount Cal Raleigh to say. Yeah, no, that's a fair, totally fair. Just like you said, if, if he ever could just stay on the field, there's like legit 35 home runs in that yeah. that bat. It's right. it's crazy. It's just got to stay out there. But not a bad option, especially if his DHs hopefully stays out of some injury concerns in that regard. Speaking of Cal Raleigh, the big dumper, he's coming in with an ADP of around 135 right now. And what was great about last year is, you know, in 2022, he had the 27 homers, 211, kind of a, a breakout year. The first year he's the main starter. And people were like, it's great. The power's good. The average could hurt, you know, prove it type thing. He comes back and hits 30 home runs in 2023 with a 232 average. And at 232 average, you can you can work with a catcher with power like that. So what's your thoughts on uh, Mr. Raleigh here as he enters his age 27 season 
and looks to be a legit power source behind the dish. Yeah. Again, last year when we did this, you know, I kind of mentioned the in the forecast here for his baseball HQ, Cal Raleigh had a XBA that kind of gave us a little more optimism, right? Um, you know, everybody was kind of worried, like, is he going to hit like 211 or is he going to hit 200 for batting average? Um, I know he doesn't necessarily have the approach that uh, kind of fuels batting average, right? Too much pull heavy fly ball. Um, but, you know, again, his, his XP is a little bit higher because he just destroys baseballs so, um, and he makes enough contact. But uh, so, you know, like you said, a catcher kind of hitting 230, 240 with, you know, 25, 30 home runs is kind of the base. Like, I mean, that's that's something we're looking for. You know, he's, he's definitely, um, you know, someone that also just like, you know, loves to play right there was uh, I think it was like maybe two years ago. He like hurt his thumb or something he's just fighting through i know it doesn't necessarily push through for like the fantasy purposes he might have been pretty terrible during that time but but he wants to be on the field right he's like yeah um you know i think it's you kind of look at that range adp you're picking through you know a ton of you know semi-proven guys that we've seen before so kind of take your pick but um i i'd be you know raleigh's definitely a priority if you're kind of looking for catchers early i think Catchers early with power. I'm 100% with you on Kyle Raleigh. There's something there that I don't have a lot of shares of. I like some other guys a little later, some younger guys. I'll take chances. I've had zero problems with Kyle Raleigh. Like I, I know I do have a couple shares because I draft too much. But um, let's go to Ty France here. This is an interesting one because I got I got mixed thoughts on Ty France. It was a very disappointing season. 158 games, only 12 home runs, hit 250. Like the average, we usually expect more. Power, we expect a little more. I know he battled a million injuries because he got hit by pitch like every other game it felt like so he's doing that a lot he's also going to drive line this offseason which is a promising thing which you'll probably hit on as well or something but what's your thoughts on ty france because this feels one of those you know we used to pay not a lot for him but now it's a 317 adp it's really dropping so if you believe in a bounce back it could be a nice little gift yeah you know ty france is just a really good hitter um you know i, I kind of look i'm trying to look back you know over the home run totals and it seems like some of those are a little fluky in like 21, 22, just kind of a, you know, or a little more lucky, I guess I should say. Um, and that kind of fell off in terms of home run to fly ball rate. Um, you know, so one could argue that maybe it kind of bounces back, but I mean, he's, he's, he's one of those hitters that kind of typically just outperforms like the power output is better than the skills. Um, and, you know, it can be kind of a red flag, but I think it's just temporary expectations, right? Like not, looking for the you know 20 being you know the baseline but more of the ceiling um but like you're saying it's so late that like health permitting like he's probably just going to eat up late appearances you know and just kind of be in the middle of that lineup um kind hopefully you're not going for uh you know first base there but he's yeah. kind of more corner filled but 100%. uh i mean he's kind of just like one of these boring guys that like doesn't really have anything that stands out other than kind of good play disciplines make makes, makes a decent amount of con contact um you know accumulate some volume and stuff like that so yeah i'm just wondering if he can find that the power source that even in the minors with the padres this dude is hitting like 30 home runs and i know as the minors and the pcl is a lot different and all these things but he's shown like ability to just pound baseballs so i'm wondering if you know the whole driveline thing and, and just not get hit by a million pitches will do something for you but that's how he stands at the plate. So he's probably going to be susceptible to it. So that's just another thing to think about. But at the price point, very, very intriguing. J.P. Crawford. Talk about a little renaissance season here from J.P. Crawford. 145 games played. Hit 19 home runs. 
Um, he has a total of 46 in his career. So do the math on that one real quick. Uh, he had 266 last year, only two steals. not going to run a ton, but the power just kind of blossomed out of nowhere with Crawford. ADP of 267 right now. How are you feeling about J.P. Crawford? Because I am having a hard time buying into this. Yeah, he <laughs> he's another guy where it's just like good play discipline, right? Kind of falls a similar bucket as uh, Ty France. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's hard to really say. Like, I think we talked on the um, the forecaster pod with Alan. Yeah. And we were talking about, like, you know, I was like, that was just one he didn't believe in. But, yeah, he's another guy. I mean, you look at where the power, you know, skills lie in the historical past seasons, and it's been pretty awful. And so, like, but the output was massive this year. And, you know, so so it's, it's kind of one of those where it's probably safe to, you know, bake in some regression there. You know, I wouldn't expect a homer to fly ball of 12, 14%. You know, he'd probably bump in that more than the single digits. Um, and, you know, that might only give him about, like, 12 or 15 home runs. But, um you know, he might he might push for like a hundred runs, right? Like he's gonna be up at the top of that lineup. So that's True. kind of just like a sneaky thing there. Um yeah, it's hard to even point like where, like, you know, where he's hitting the ball harder. It's just like he hit the ball harder, but it's still like under you know, league average or below. So it's like <laughs> so so it's like hit the ball harder, but it's not like something where it's like, yay. Um but you know, there's some gains. I just don't think, you know, it's gonna be like, you know. 20 home runs is a likely outcome. Yeah. Personal improvements, not uh, major league uh, reference improvements, yeah. basically. So yeah, exactly, yeah. it's just one of those, if he could even, if I could think like 15, which I'm not even sure he's got in him, it would help a ton. But the part you mentioned there is the, the runs he could legit, he's pretty easily, I think get a hundred runs scored with those OBP skills. And that could be a value in itself right there. Like it's a middle infielder later in drafts. That'd be pretty sweet. So, Definitely something to keep in mind, at least when you're um, sitting in that part of the draft. Well, here's a trade with the Giants. And I'm glad he's gone. I didn't want him there in the first place. Mitch Hanniger is back in Seattle. Seems like a great guy, so it sounds bad when I say that. But I never was a fan because he just never plays. And he proved it last year for the Giants. Didn't play again. And um, it's frustrating because there is a hit tool there. I'm not going to deny that. It's just not on the field. He only played 61 games last year, 57 the year before. It's basically been two seasons where he's played a regular like amount of games and then it's just been nothing so what's your thoughts on Mitch Hanniger because technically he's gonna projected to start in the outfield for you guys he's got an ADP of 401 which again if you tell me he plays 140 games I'd swipe that up in a heartbeat but I just don't know if I can trust that yeah yeah health hasn't been his friend right like I was looking at the IL days he's missed over 100 games on the injury list in the the past four seasons uh that that's not great um you know I'm not including 2020 but uh, just yeah, it's just so many injuries, right? So it just comes down to health. I feel like his ADP was a lot higher in the past, so it's kind of like yep. you know, if you're just banking on the dip there. I mean, he does hit the ball pretty hard. He does have some pretty good you know power skills there. Uh, contact rate has dropped on a tiny bit, but um, he, you know he does hit the ball hard enough that I think you know it could be worth it. Um, but yeah, again, just that late. I mean, it, I guess you know, you can kind of stomach it a little easier when you're like, well, if I'm going, you know, taking the, you know, fourth, fifth outfit or 400 EP, at least I can just like maybe pick that up on the waiver wire too. But okay. yeah, it's tough. That's real tough. Like I want, I actually want him to do good, but it's just, I just have zero chances of believing in that uh, right now. Like I love Luke Rayleigh. Luke Rayleigh, you picked up from the Rays. Yeah, Caballero could be interesting. I kind of like it for the Rays. They needed a shortstop. It was going to be a utility for you guys. Could have worked out, but we'll see. 
I do like Luke Rayleigh. There's some power. There's some speed. Not a great average, but not a horrible average. Um, can play outfield first base, kind of move around for you. Looks like he's projected to basically take the Jared Kelenic spot, maybe platoon or something. I don't know all the details there, but you get to pay for an ADP of uh, 322 right now. So what's your thoughts on Luke Rayleigh, who I, I'm just trying to figure out where he fits with Seattle. Is he going to be like the heavy platoon guy and still plays like 130 games, or is it going to be less or more? I don't know. So what are you thinking when you look at Luke Rayleigh? Yeah, he's a he's a tricky one, right? Because he just kind of kind of profiles like your typical power hitter, and you know, chase a bit more. Um, not, you know, it doesn't make a ton of contact, but really hits more really really hard. Um, yeah, I think the speed might be the sneaky part of the game there, right? Like he's he converted a decent chunk of stolen bases, eighty two percent of the chances. Um, like many players, he ran a ton last year, right? Like a twenty four percent stolen base opportunities. Um, you know, so that might be something kind of sneaky there. I mean, again, looking at depth, right? I think he's just going to need to play, right? Like, if his defense is good enough, I mean, we could run through a player scenarios. We just we just talked about Mitch Haniger, right? Like, oh, Mitch Haniger gets injured. Would that happen? Probably. You know, he he slots into an alpha spot there. Um, you know, I, I really don't think that they have a ton of other depth that's going to like steal the job. Like Sam Haggerty, Dylan Moore, we've been through that before. Um, Taylor Trammell is kind of interesting. Maybe we'll talk about him a little later, but. You know, there's some videos of him working with driveline and things like that. So, you know, maybe that's a guy that could be kind of sneaky in the outskirts. But, I mean, it, he's, you're, I mean, if they're going to go strict platoon, you're going to kind of have to monitor that. Um, you know, I, it's, but again, I think it's one of those guys where it's worth the risk. Like, how many guys are you going to find that hit like eight to twenty home runs, twelve to fifteen stolen bases, yeah. you know, and not hurt you? And at least you're going to know that he's going to produce when he's out there. Uh, you know, you're probably going to take that at around that ADP. So. 100%. I was drafting him a ton in early drafts when he was with the Rays, and he goes against trading. I'm like, how's this going to work next? I kind of had a, a blueprint with the Rays where it was good enough, and it was really funny because I had Colette preview the Rays the day before this trade and the other trade. They made two trades. They traded Kittredge to St. Louis for Palacios, both on the same day. And Colette texts me, and we start laughing. Uh, but one thing he also said about Rayleigh is it's the speed, like you mentioned, that shocks people because you look at Rayleigh, he's this big dude. Like He looks yeah. almost like a fullback or a linebacker or something that you don't expect him but he can he can book it so yeah he's got a nice that added, nice little added boost to his profile <laughs> right he's kind of got that like alec bone build where it's like he could be playing linebacker in the nfl but he yeah. but he, he's on the infield or playing the outfield yeah he's booking he's moving so it's fun uh luis uh urias this is or this is i always screw it up i guess the one's urias or, yeah. yeah or urias is on the other team in la um Luis Urias, he's coming over, protected by third base for you guys for now, taking the Suarez role. He's got an ADP of 478, obviously a pretty rough injury-riddled season in 2023. We've seen some good with him. We've seen also, obviously, the ugly. But uh, what's your kind of th thoughts, maybe hope for Urias this year? Yeah, like I kind of liked him in the past, right? Like we've, we've seen this before. We've kind of got sucked in a little bit. Um, I, I mean, some minor concerns like his powers is, you know, average sometimes, you know, like maybe slightly above average depending on the year. But I mean, he has that pull heavy fly ball pro, so he's really, really trying to tap into that. Um, unfortunately, I think the Mariners home ballpark is a little bit less friendly to right handed uh, hitters, if I recall. So that, that can be a little bit of a problem. Um, yeah, I mean, injuries have definitely been an issue. Uh, a lot of lower body injuries like hamstring. Um, I mean, he's probably going to play. Like, again, looking at depth, it's like I can't imagine, uh, you know, 
Josh Rojas stealing that job over there or, you know, Bill Moore or something like that. Um, I mean, there could be something way, way, way late down the road in terms of like some infielders in the minors and stuff like that. But, um, you know, unless they sign somebody there, he's probably going to have to play. Um, he, you know, he's, he's probably going to gain some third base eligibility. I think he's what second base right now. So, you know, that might be something to just kind of monitor when that happens. Yeah. When it happens late in the year, he's second base right now. Um, but he's probably just more of a kind of a waiver wire guy. You know, I mean, he's probably going to hit towards the bottom of the lineup, right? So you're going to kind of get less plate appearances there and he doesn't quite have the kind of stolen base juice there. So nah, he just, I mean, if he surprises me, yay, you know, maybe the Mariners are doing well, but <laughs> not a target. Yeah, I'm with you there. He's probably a guy we'll find on the waiver wires, and you can play that game if you need to at some point in time. I'm not thinking he's going to be a hot commodity in at least 12-team and shallower leagues. Similar to this guy, Josh Rojas. He had a couple weeks last year where I was like, man, I need to roster him, like stream him, see where we can go with it. Then he kind of, you know, did Josh Rojas things. Four homers, 12 steals overall in the year, hit 245. Um, did... He, you know, the little pop, but the speed was there. He's second base, third base eligible, which is kind of nice. ADP of 456, which is intriguing. But he did, he wasn't like a hardcore platoon last year. It was straight up like he faced righties and then he sat versus left. There was really no wiggle room there. What's your thoughts on Rojas for 2024, especially at that ADP? Yeah, again, not, not super exciting. I can't really find, um, you know, I think unless you're banking on 20 plus steals. I mean, 15 is probably within reason, but, you know, it's hard to really, you know, stomach the rest of that profile. Um, so it's like, like I could see myself like eventually streaming a guy like Josh Ross. You're like, oh, cool, put his positional flexibility and he gives me some stolen bases and he's playing, right? Exactly. That, that, you know, then that comes into play, but um, I wouldn't, you know, it's kind of just like a, might be one of those overlooked kind of depth born guys, but. Um, I don't think he's going to kind of break, you know, you know, you're not going to be missing out that you, I mean, unless there's a, you know, 2022 all over again where he gets like $20 of value, but you know, if I'll, I'm fine if I miss out on that, I guess. <laughs> yep. Yep. I'm with you. It's so literally, it'll be a stream guy from time to time for me, but that's about as far as the Josh Rojas train goes in my world. Uh, anybody else you mentioned Taylor Trammell. Is there anybody else you want to discuss real briefly that could have an impact? Cause that like uh, with Luke Rayleigh, with Rojas, with a couple guys, there are platoon options where guys could maybe get a, a, some at bats and take over. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, I, f- I don't want to talk about Haggerty and Dylan Moore. I feel like we went on that <laughs> road before. You know, yeah. they might give us a week or two there. Um, yeah, Taylor Schmel's kind of interesting, right? He's going to drive line. Um, you know, he really leaned into kind of the pool heavy fly ball approach as a lefty. Um, he's been about league average and kind of barrels for PAs, but. Um, he, he has been hitting the ball a little harder. Again, it's such a small sample. He's hardly played, but he has been hitting the ball a little bit harder the past couple of seasons. So if you want to kind of want to latch on to um, some of the exit velocity numbers from last year, but though it's not that many events, um, that might be something to latch on to. You know, he's, again, he's kind of been a post, 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 you know, hype sleeper, uh, you know, for, for the Reds there. But he's, he's a pretty good athlete. Um, you know, I think, just keep an eye on him. I think I looked. He doesn't even have an ADP. So again, not even, not even a guy to really be considering. But just keep an eye. You know, probably on the waiver or something. He might earn some chance in the outfield. Um, you know, with some defense or some other things. So. And then you have Cade Marlowe down here. I'm glad you put him because it's like Marlowe, Canzone. It's just I just look at them and then I don't know what to do with them. So you got Marlowe on the list, which tells me you like him a little more. So that tells me a lot already. So what do you yeah. got, Marlowe? 
Yeah, it's just kind of those like cheap power speed guys, right? And yeah. you know, strong side platoon. You know, again, kind of uses that pull heavy fly ball approach. It kind of again leans into that lefty um, power, you know, alley that the Mariners have, but it kind of suppresses a right-handed power. Um, Ken Zone. I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's just a personal bias thing here. I feel like I feel like I picked him up last year, and he was like okay. So it's like, you know, I was like kind of one of those things where was, I was kind of getting talked to know him because. He's got a cool name and you know some other things, but but I don't know. I, I might need to see a little more. Yeah. Um I just yeah, I, I don't I don't see as much that I want out of there. I'd rather go with Marlowe because I feel like Marlowe's got a little more a kind of speed that I can kind of bank on or hope for Jimmy Bond there than than someone like uh Kenzo. So yeah, I'm kinda of with you on that one. I feel the same. I've been leaning more Marlowe throughout my draft season where I do take those late flyers. Let's head to the mound. You kind of said it without outside of J Rod. The uh, the fun for Seattle is in that starting rotation. Like it is a top to bottom toy basically because the young guys are working on things on that is fun to watch on Twitter when videos pop out. And then you start with the ace, Luis Castillo, who just you know the whole joke when he got traded, he finally had a great American small park and he delivered. He was outstanding outside of there, and he was still good again last year. On 197 innings, which was great to see. Three three four ERA. Strikeouts are there with Castillo. Right now, ADP of around 29, going right behind Kevin Gossman uh, in the starting pitching world. What's your thoughts on Castillo? Because I'm, I'm still a huge fan. He's going to be 31 this year. A lot of like the aces going in front of him are getting more towards the mid-30s to late-30s of the world. So Castillo is technically one of the young guns in those early pitchers that are going. Yeah, outside no, of I like Strider. Sorry, I got to clarify oh, yeah. that for anybody who says a yeah. word outside of Strider. <laughs> yeah, of course, SP1. You know, you yeah. can't, you can't. <laughs> um, no, Luis Castillo, I was trying to look back. I, I think I did his forecaster box in whatever 2023, whatever, whatever the year, the book before this year was. Yeah, I think it was the first year uh, you were, came on the show. You did have Castillo. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I really liked what I saw. Um, you know, there was an up projection in there of like, 200 innings, 200 strikeout season. Um, he was just shy of that with the innings, but, you know, put his second best strikeout total. Um, I, I, I just really love the change in approach he's had where he's kind of moved more towards the four-seamer slider. Um, Changeup's kind of taken a backseat a tiny bit in terms of whiffs, but, I mean, he, he you know, he ranks first in four-seamer swinging strike rate, 19th in slider swinging strike rate, 16th in changeup swinging strike rate. Like when you have three pitches that are just above average and illicit whiffs, um, and he isn't that like whip killer that people have thought of him as before. Um, so he's definitely, I would be happy to kind of take him as my SP1 in second round. Um, yeah, I, I'm all about Casio again. So yeah, Big fan as well. It's, it's just tough for me that between him and Gossman, I'm always torn. Um, do you lean Castillo or I, I, I somehow lean Gossman, but I love Castillo. I get hurts not picking Castillo when I pick Gossman type thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's probably just a coin flip there. I probably just go Castillo. Um, but, um, you know, it's just kind of more preference there. Yeah. No, that's, yeah. That's fair enough. Cause I, like I said, I look at him. It's like, Ugh. so tough. So tough. Uh, now we go down to some cheaper, or not cheaper, younger arms in the bullpen with Logan Gilbert. He's going to be 27 this year, but his age 26 season picked up 13 wins. Got you 190 innings, which is big. Back-to-back, 185 and 190, which you don't see a lot from young guys. Ratio still weren't bad. ADP of 64, and I know he's been tweaking things from time to time. So what are our thoughts on Logan Gilbert? Because it feels like he's got some nastiness in him, but he just hasn't put it all together yet. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I, I have this, you know, kind of weird theory here. I told a couple people, I said, I have this weird idea. I think I'm just going to draft a ton of Mariners starting pitchers um, <laughs> and draft as many as I can and just, you know, bank on most of them working out more than not. Um, you know, and so uh, there's just a chunk of them that are really good from command and control perspective or their stuff just really good. Um, you know, we know the start with Gilbert, he introduced a splitter last year. Um, he mainly threw kind of four seamer slider curveball, kind of not accounting for 90% of the arsenal, um, at least in 2022. And then 2023, that splitter kind of gave him another pitch for her whiffs. Um, you know, I kind of put a note in here. I mean, I, he, we probably would have been a little bit off of Gilbert last year um, because he only had one pitch with a swing and strike rate above 11% in the slider. And if you look at the league average for sliders, like that's not good. So it's, you know, it's, it's kind of one of those things where it didn't really have a lot of optimism there. Four seamer has been getting crushed, right? It's not necessarily a really good fastball. Um, it kind of made me question like what happened to Gilbert slider. Cause it bounced back a little bit. Um, I kind of posted this on Twitter the other day, but he threw the slider a little harder. Um, just about a little more than one mile per hour, a little bit less spin and causing it to drop uh, three more inches than it did in 2022. So, you know, that would kind of explain the bump in whiffs last year on the slider. Um, and in it, another interesting note on that slider, he throws it in the zone a ton. Um, he throws it, I think, at the highest zone rate on the slider um, of all starting pitchers. Uh, so that was kind of interesting that he threw it in the zone. with the over 56% of the time kind of pounds the zone and generates whiffs. Like, you know, that's kind of a rare combination for an off three pitch. Um, especially if we consider the splitter is going to stick around. I mean, that's going to help if the fastball continues to be not great. Um, especially we're talking about like platoon splits and stuff for, for Gilbert, which, you know, kind of showed up a little bit in the first two seasons um, without the splitter. So I, I think he's definitely Gilbert's definitely a buy for me at his ADP. Yep, no, I'm with you. It, and it's uh, if we talk about the other um, Seattle pitchers, at least the big three, because the two young guys are still going to be very good, but they kind of haven't proven it as much as Gilbert. The next guy we're talking about in Castillo, Gilbert's the discount of the group. So you got that going for you. And you mentioned he's you know, we we said he's got the stuff, and you mentioned command and control. Well, that goes to one George Kirby, who is uh. Literally just an amazing can't walk anybody type guy. Like it, people were betting less than like a half a walk a game props or something like that. And it was working one and a half walks a game. And he's nailing those. It's ironic to me because last year Kirby and Gilbert were going back to back in drafts because no one knew what to do, how to separate them. Well, now when you just look at the SP landscape and NFBC DCs, it goes Castillo and then Kirby now. Kirby's up there. So they're about 30 picks away. From Logan Gilbert and uh, Kirby, you know, 190 innings ratios are outstanding. Just strikeouts are down a bit compared to some other guys early in the draft. So, what's your thoughts on Kirby? Yeah, I, I know the concern is strikeouts with Kirby, right? So, I'm going to kind of lay out the argument for, and I put this in the Facts and Flukes article, kind of lay out the argument for why I think Kirby might be having a little more strikeout upside than we're thinking, um, you know. I kind of just mentioned Logan Gilbert's slider again, having a high zone rate. Um, George Kirby's was second in zone rate, right? So he's another just like elite, elite control guy, kind of the second lowest ball rate um, and just elite, you know, pounds zone, elite control guy. Um, and so strikeouts might be the concern, but the four seamer um, has the second highest swing and truck rate um, among all starting pitchers behind Luis Castillo. So fastball is pretty good. 
Um, and he didn't use the splitter very much, but he's another kind of, you know, generated a decent chunk of whiffs. I expect that to bump up a little bit. I was trying to look, I think he threw it about what, four, five or 6% or something last year. So I, I think there's going to be, you know, a little bit of a bump out for, um, the splitter there for, uh, George Kirby. And that's going to help kind of bump up the whiffs there. Um, the hard part is the ADP is just so high, right? So you're kind of paying or banking for that, you know, kind of outcome there. Um, I'm going to throw in a football analogy here and, you know, B. John Robinson, right? It feels yeah, like that's a great, <laughs> feels, one. Really feels like we're, feels like what we're doing is B. John Robinson, right? We're paying up for this young, talented player and we're paying this kind of the ceiling price um, for, you know, for something we haven't seen yet. Um, but I do think the skills are there for Kirby to take a bump up, right? So in a year from now, you know, there might be some people saying, well, I didn't really see it there, but I think it's there. He's got a really good fastball. Um, you know, the splitter is going to, I think, take a jump here. Um, he just has such a safe floor with that really elite control that I think he's going to give you, you know, what you pay for there. Um, and you're not going to be disappointed. That's interesting. Yeah, that's a great comp because that's that's kind of where I get with Kirby. It's if I just want a really, really safe floor with ratios. Okay, cool. Just I'd love to if you like if you go aggressive in starting pitching early and you get like a strider, I love pairing it with like a Kirby because now your ratios are just like deadly. And Kirby will get enough strikeouts where you still have two elite strikeout guys in the end type thing, because because strider does strider things. Uh, it just yeah. depends on how you build it basically. You got to get those strikeouts built somewhere else, and you don't have to go aggressive over those guys later, but that's the with building with Kirby. It's like you said, it's, it's a really fun floor. Uh, I just don't know where the ceiling is just yet, but I wouldn't be shocked if he ever found it. I just don't know if, when, if, when or if he will type scenario. Yeah. So, could be good for sure. Bryce Miller, fun Twitter follow these days because he's showing workout after workout, working on the splitter. Like this is team splitter now here and up in Seattle. Um, they need to make like baseballism needs to go make t-shirts or something for these guys. Like they can get really creative with the graphics on that. But um, Bryce Miller, uh, 131 innings last year, if you combine the minors, about 150. So that's beautiful because that means he's pretty much stretched out for today's standards. And you're only paying an ADP of 183 right now. And if he can develop that splitter, I'm no fool. That could be fun. So what are your thoughts on Bryce Miller this year, especially 183? Yeah, I, I really like Bryce Miller. Um, a really solid fastball. Generates above average, signature grade on the four-seamer. Um, his, his sweeping slider has an interesting kind of movement profile. It doesn't necessarily generate a ton of whiffs, or it did not um, kind of this past year, um, as one would expect. But it's got a pretty good, um, you know, movement profile where it could generate a little bit more whiffs. Uh, you know, the sweeper kind of really drops a little more than um, one might imagine. Um, you know, right now, his arsenal, right? So if he's adding the splitter, we've seen all those videos. Um, you know, I feel like watching a new pitch is kind of like a uh, best shape of your life, um, you know, uh, narrative now. So, but again, I, you know, I, I, I like it, right. I like to see guys making some changes, uh, trying to do something differently. Um, so I, so I think, you know, argument one would be, I think the sweeper, you know, generates a little bit more whiffs. Um, right now he's, you know, kind of a uh, susceptible to some platoons, right. He's terrible against lefties. Um, and that's mostly because if he kind of keeps that four seamer slider super right now, he's just gonna, you know, lefties are gonna eat that up. So the splitter or an off seat pitch is gonna definitely be help him kind of balance that out. Um, you know, even if we use like George Kirby as a comp there, right? Like if he uses the splitter six eight percent of the time, um, you know, it's probably gonna be pretty good, uh, and it's probably gonna be good enough to 
you know, keep lefties off balance, probably have a decent swing and strike rate, even if it's hardly, you know, not used that much. Um, and so I think we're going to see some of those, you know, platoon concerns kind of even out. Um, I, again, I feel like Miller is, you know, not the same exact mold because he's probably a little more kind of stuff than um, George Kirby per se. But uh, I feel like next year we're going to see Bryce Miller's ADP probably being closer you know, to a top 100 pick or more even, you know, and especially that splitter generates more whiffs and plays up like it should. Um, and, and again, I, you know, he, Miller does have pretty good control there. He's got a high zone rate on several of the pitches. So I, I think, um, you know, I, I'm, bu- I'm buying in on that AP, especially where it's, you know, with him and our next guy here in Brian Wu. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's an ADP that you can definitely start taking some chances. You should have a good floor of your top three, maybe even four pitchers by then, depending on how you operate. Like that is a kind of guy that could bring a ceiling that could outplay that ADP in a big way if things click. And then you mentioned Brian Wu, who I picked up in a lot of places and I loved him last year. Like there was, you know, they all these young pitchers had their hiccups. That was just how young pitchers operate. But as a whole, I, I liked what we saw from Brian Wu. Uh, he threw about 130 innings, give or take, between the minors and the bigs. We got to remember he came up straight from Double A last year, so he, he just went you know straight to the top, and kind of growing pains or whatever, but still, like I said, did well. ADP is one eighty. You kind of hinted that, and it sounds like he might be a little into him as well. Yeah, I, he has another kind of you know interesting approach, kind of like Bryce Miller. Uh, Brian Wu uses kind of a fastball heavier approach, um, almost a little Lance Lynn like, right? He's he's got four seamer, sinker, cutter, kind of accounting for you know eighty seven percent of that arsenal. Um, you know, again, he has that kind of current arsenal where he might have some challenges against lefties, um, unless he kind of adds a splitter bumps of that change of usage. Um, and so I, I, again, it's small sample, but you know, he only threw the change of like 52 times or something, uh, you know, but, but if, if it's not the, the change up, it's going to need to be the sinker probably to kind of keep lefties kind of off balance there. Um, you know, if, if, again, I haven't seen if, I know there's a lot of Bryce Miller talk, but I didn't see if Brian Wu was out of a splitter. I mean, even if it wasn't on social media, I imagine you would, you would that... imagine he is. And see, <laughs> yeah. like, they all are. So you exactly. imagine yeah. they're talking at least. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, again, I, I think, and I mentioned this before, probably in other places, but the Mariners, in my opinion, are a team that I'm kind of trusting from a uh, player development standpoint, pitching standpoint um, to make some of those adjustments. So, Definitely. you know, if, if we're seeing some of these things, you know, they're seeing a little bit more in the lab and I, I think there'll be a, a kind of change there in that arsenal in year two. Yep. Yep. I think it'll be quite, quite interesting to see where he goes. And so it's kind of fun. You have like Castillo at 28, you have Kirby at 33, Gilbert's around 68. And then you have Wu at 180 and, and, um, and um, I just totally blanked uh, Miller nice, at, yeah. at 183. So it's like you got this just smorgasbord of outstanding stuff, and you can kind of you could probably get at least three of them. Like you said, you want to draft yeah. as many, you could get at least three. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I, you know, I'm going to be mad if I don't leave with at least two or three. In the draft. Yeah, you could you could definitely do that if you do it right. So uh, yeah. And the and the thing is, like, they all had pretty respectable ratios with strikeout upside. They just didn't like one through five. You don't find that on many teams. Trust me. I yeah. preview them all. You don't find many that have yeah. a one through five. where You're like, I trust all of these guys. That's yeah. It. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, like we've Very had this few. from the Dodgers or other teams before, right. Where it's just like, you know, you're not going to go wrong getting a few of them. You might, you know, I, I think this is, this is the team to do that. So. 
and God forbid something happens to one of these five, we have to look at other options. And like the Giants in the Hanniger deal, Di Sclafani came over. I wrote about him as the long reliever slash sixth man. Um, do you have any kind of thoughts on him? Because I'm leaving him on the waiver wire or whatever. But yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was trying to look into him a little bit, right? We had some of that streak fuse back at the Reds. It's probably just more a streamer. Um, he had a flexor strain last August ended his season. Um, I tried to look, you know, some of the metrics, like it just, he's average control, uh, swing and strike rates about average, you know, pitch movement profiles don't look like anything jumps off the page, uh, you know, so it's kind of just something that I'm not really going to be paying attention to unless, you know, unless there's some, you know, changes that happen that I can't foresee, but just based on the past, I, you know, he's probably no more than a streamer. Like you said, if, you know, God forbid one of the guys gets hurt and has to fill in a few starts and stuff like that. So, yeah, they picked up Jackson Coar as well, who maybe naively I did or whatever. I know I wasn't alone. Was kind of excited about him at one point in Kansas City. He'd kind of been dealt around a few places now. Um, is there any interest in him or is that a strict, like, let's just kind of wait and see situation? I mean, call me a fool but i don't know why i like these former royals starting pitchers right like yeah. <laughs> i mean jackson core is like you know control is awful 40 percent ball rate um the average is about 36 percent um but yeah above average swing strike rates on the slider and change up it's got you know really good movement profiles like just stuff wise um so i, I think that's something to monitor um uh, as i as you know i could see the mariners kind of fixing maybe you know, uh, I don't. I don't like to use Robbie Ray as the, as the you know, yeah. you know, person there, but just kind of that guy that just maybe pounds his own with those pitches and and kind of just trusts his stuff there. Uh, but probably more a reliever. You know, maybe you know, kind of a maybe fills in for Descafani if he's injured, kind of thing. But yeah, just a name to monitor. I think that you know had some shine, and I wouldn't be surprised if that came out in a small sample with the Mariners. So, All right, you mentioned relievers. Let's go to the bullpen here where it's a fun mix here. And all the names we have down to talk about, I'm very excited to talk about because I've got shares of most of those, at least two out of three for sure. Um, but you got some uh, interesting little kind of numbers here on uh, saves over the last few years with the Mariners. So I want you to share those with the crew. Yeah, yeah. So I was kind of looking at this. You know, I try to do this a little more – uh, with football, and I try to do it with baseball too, right? I think it's good to look at some of these bigger picture um, metrics, right? Whether it's team level or league wide, and just kind of see if anything's kind of changed. Um, I did a little bit of this too, and I think Jason collected a little bit of this a few years back too. Just like, you know, looking at month by month batting average or just some of these changes that we're kind of seeing with some of the things and league, league wide, and just seeing, you know, if there's anything significant or not. Um, so I, I, that's just where I wanted to start, right? I think some of the really good um, places that cover relievers, like Reliever Recon, do a lot of this, where they're, you know, really looking at like the team level, kind of higher level save stuff or opportunity stuff instead of just going into the players. You know, I mean, I feel like a lot. That's where a lot of us kind of started is like player, you know, <laughs> deep dives or whatever. Hundred um, percent. But you know, so I just want to kind of put some context here, right? So twenty twenty one. Mariners are second in save opportunities, and they had four relievers with five or more saves. The next season, 2022, they're 26 in save opportunities, and they only had two with five more saves, and that was Seawald and Munoz. 
2023, a little bit better in save opportunities, 18th. Um, and then this past year, they had two uh, relievers with 10 more saves. And of course, that was Seawad and Munoz again. Um, so again, I, you know, kind of just somebody keep in mind, you know, maybe they might be about league average in terms of save opportunities, right? And they're probably going to sh- divvy up saves in some shape or form, even without Paul Seawald. Um, so I think that's just, you know, a good projecting or forecasting we can do there. Yeah, I, I think that's fair to a couple guys will get some, some work, which like you said, we've seen. Um, let's start with the guy that everyone has as the anointed closer for now. And he's been sharing saves with Seawall the last two years. And that's Andres Munoz. And um, we know when he's out there, he's been pretty darn solid. I think you were, you were saying last year, like he would be utilized when they needed strikeouts. He'd come in when they just wanted like a guy that could, you know, get, get outs. It was more of a Seawall situation. Um, Munoz was injured for part of last season, but man, I thought he was older than this. He's only 25, which is pretty crazy to think about. So what's your thoughts on Andres Munoz right now, who, when you're looking at ADP, has an ADP of 94? Yeah, I mean, injury is always going to kind of be there with Andres Munoz, right? Because he just throws ridiculously hard. The stuff's really, really good. Um, just some notes, right? Without Paul Seawald, basically August and beyond, uh, Andres Munoz was 11 out of 13, save chances, uh, 23 0.3% K minus PB rate, high walk rate, um, but ball rate's slightly below average, you know, but he's always had some control issues. Uh, but just stuff's electric, right? Slider's just ridiculous. Over 24% swing strike rate. Um, has the strikeout stuff that we want in a closer. Um, you know, again, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, he had, let's say, 18 to 20 saves and then another arm had 8 to 10, right? So, he, he, you know, he might be priced up there because probably some of the DC stuff. Some of the guys are trying to, um, you know, drafters are at least trying to lock up a, a arm that could be safer save option. Um, so it's probably a fair price there. He's probably right in that back end kind of range of uh, like, you know, closer ones or whatever that you want to go yeah. for. So um, I'm trying to look, yeah, I probably have more concerns about the other guys around him. So I, you know, he might be kind of that last guy there in that kind of tier of, um, relievers there that I like with the skills for sure. So, one of the last ones you kind of trust in there, right? Yeah, yeah of, exactly. I'm, yeah, I'm kind of with you there. Yeah, one you at least yeah. kind of feel like as a reliever one before you get to that murky water situation. Hundred yeah. yeah. percent with you with Munoz. Very good pitcher. Like it just sucks because in years past we draft him kind of, but we're drafting this next guy who I like to draft this next guy a lot too. And I made maybe a dumb comment at one point in time, but I was like, I wouldn't be shocked if Matt Brash is the saves leader in Seattle for 2024. I think he's that good, but you know, you never know. Nothing wrong with Munoz. So as long as he's healthy, I could see him obviously being the guy. But Brash has an ADP around 251. So he's like, feels like a guy if you're, you missed out and you want to gamble on some relievers, he seems like a guy I like. But what's your thoughts on Matt Brash? Yeah. I mean, I think it's a good arm to take there. I mean, some could argue it's maybe a little too early, but. I think, again, if we're expecting some of that reliever trend that the Mariners had, he's probably going to give you 8 to 10 saves, uh, maybe a little more if Munoz gets hurt, right? So um, he's he was third in the gamer leverage index uh, behind Munoz and Seawall, so he's going to be in some of those high leverage situations. Um, slider is just deadly, both sides of play, just, you know, just really, really good. Um, Four-seamer has been getting crushed, um, but he has kind of dropped the usage last year. Um, July was at 44%. It dropped down to 37% in August. Um, probably not 
you know, too significant in September, but it dropped down to like 12.7%, but that's kind of towards the end of the season. Um, he did add a sinker in September. Uh, he's at about 15% time, not brash. Uh, and we bumped up the slider usage in August and September. Um, I was kind of amazed <laughs> at how much he used the slider in August and September, uh, 53% in August, and then oh, over 64% in September. Um, I mean, he's, you know, I mean, when you're a reliever like that and you have a deadly slider, I mean, it's why not use it that much? Yep. You know, we see a lot of really good relievers do that. Um, so, I mean, if that's going to be an approach, I mean, that and use a sinker to kind of maybe keep some of the hitters off balance a little bit on the other side of the plate. I mean, especially if the four-seamer hasn't been great, I, I, I kind of like that approach. So he's got the skills that I like there. Yep, don't, don't don't mind that at all. I think he's a definite one to do in DCs. I like a lot. And the last guy, I'll let you introduce this wonderful individual because I have, I, okay, I'll preface, I've done 13 drafts, DCs, some gladiators. It's probably too many drafts, but I've done some drafts. I think out of the 13 I was looking today, I think I have four or five of this individual because his ADP is about 700. So it's the last pick basically in drafts. Who am I talking about? Yeah. Prelander Burrow, right? I mean, if you can't remember who this guy is, you got to remember this guy's name. Uh, he had a brief, brief debut last year, and I feel like you might have tagged me or we were messing yeah. around, and we're like, hey, yeah. he's here. He made he, it. He got the call. <laughs> he got the call. <laughs> um, you know, electric strikeout stuff. You know, you yeah. watch this guy. I mean, he, he, you know, most people probably saw him when he came out for a little bit. Uh, but, you know, struggles with command. His ball rate at double A was about 37.5%. Um, you know, small sample, 22 of his 41 pitchers in the majors are balls, right? So that's not great. Um, but the stuff is just nasty, like especially his slider. Um, I was trying to look at, um, you know, kind of comps for his slider, just kind of based on the horizontal and vertical movement. Um, and I kind of match it up with, you know, I, w I usually start with movement profiles first, and then maybe I'll see if it, if that kind of matches up with some of the stuff less up, but Prelander Burrow slider kind of looks like Bryce Miller and Dylan Cease's slider, where it's a hard slider. Um, and it's right around there, stuff plus wise. Uh, and so I, I really like Burrow's stuff. Um, and so, you know, again, just a reliever arm. I mean, we'd, it's not like we haven't seen, you know, poor control pitchers make it in the majors, you know, insert Dylan Cease, you know, insert Spencer Schrider at some point when everybody thought it was going to be a reliever. You know, I'm not trying to say he's going to be that, but I'm saying it's just if you're going to bind a, you know, kind of a high upside arm, just keep an eye on this is the guy to do that. Yep. Yep. I think there's a lot to like there. That's why I'm, I'm buying in as a late option. God forbid something happens to Brash or Munoz or something. He'd be a perfect fill in to just, if he can get a little more control, he could be a beast. Maybe not the closer this year, but at least put in some ratios and strikeouts and see where things go. Let's talk prospects. Um, the first individual you have down here, I'm very excited to talk about because I was so torn on him. I haven't drafted him anywhere. I did, the first appearance in the bigs was not great for Emerson Hancock, but there's probably still something there. So what are your thoughts on Emerson Hancock right now? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I kind of put him on there. I mean, he's probably one of the better, you know, or more um, possible, you know, prospect arms to kind of make it up there again after coming up for a few games. Um, you know, I, I, I like... Um, kind of what he did there in double A, he you know wasn't great. He had a 16.8% K minus BB, 34% ball rate. You know, just kind of decent, but not mind blowing stuff. Um, 
changeup should be pretty solid. And, and I'll, I'll admit, I'm a little bit of a sucker for some of these like non fastballs that are really good. <laughs> and I think I think uh, Emerson Hancock has a really good changeup. Um, and so I, I that's that's a guy that I kind of like. And if he can just get like you know have some of the other like the fastball and the slider be just you know decent enough, I think we've got some in there. Um, so you know I could see him kind of you know, overtaking maybe a spot. Um, I feel like he, Emerson Hancock's probably not going to be a guy that they're going to want to put into like a, a Descafani role, right? They're not going to want to kind of put him in this swingman role. They're probably going to want to be like, if he's going to pitch, he's going to start. Um, so I think he tabs on him. Um, you know, I, you know, I don't, I don't want to say if he comes up and, you know, I want to be blowing a bunch of fab on him, but I think he's a guy that I, I would be trying to prioritize um, and take a chance on him there. Yeah, like what I've seen in my very small samples, again, not a prospect guy here. He reminds me a little bit of a Kirbyus where he's not a ton of strikeouts, but might be able to lock in if he get controls to uh, something along that line is what I kind of see with Hancock. So, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Um, you have a couple other guys here. Hancock's ADP is around 600 right now. These two individuals are not even being drafted right now, so this is definitely an intriguing one to see for call-ups. You have Zach Deloach and Jonathan Classe. So what, what are you seeing in these two guys? Yeah, Deloach is a guy that um, you know, kind of just more in some dynasty leagues and stuff. He's definitely kind of interesting. He's got a he's got some pretty good power. Um, you know, you can look at some of the AAA data. Um, he's uh, you know, had a nine point eight percent barrel weight, uh, max EV just under one hundred twelve miles per hour, um, and so he's got some really good. Uh, I think he's a lefty. He got some uh, lefty you know power there. So I think it's a guy that we can pay attention to a little bit. A little pool heavy, not not a ton, but again, that could play up in um, in in uh, I almost said safe goal, but T-Mobile, <laughs> right? All these all these name changes. <laughs> so ridiculous, uh, but yeah. Uh, so you know, Deloach does have some speed too. Uh, he's he's um, he's not like a zero, but he's going to give you like maybe five to ten, kind of in a peak scenario. Um, and I try to look at like thankfully we kind of have access to some. Uh, like some of the AAA kind of data there, right? Like um, kind of at least a public available one is like on Prospect Live. They have some of the AAA data. And, you know, he doesn't chase often. He's like a 23.6% chase rate. Um, does struggle a little bit to make contact in the zone, right under 79%. Um, but, you know, we could take kind of a passive hitter that um, is a little more selective but does hit the ball hard. I mean, we've seen that kind of profile play out. Um, so just a guy to keep an eye on. Um yeah, class A, I mean, speed, right? Who doesn't love speed? We all love stolen bases. Um, you know, he's he's kind of like one of those toolsy guys, like um, like maybe not so much the ceiling, but uh, Noel V. Marte of the Reds, right? Kind of just a toolsy guy that, you know, we've kind of been dreaming upon, but they traded, you know, Marte away. But uh, class A is, um, you know, he's got some of the tools to, you know, be fantasy friendly with the, with the speed. Um, and has, you know, I'd say probably below average power, but again, if, you know, if a guy's gonna, you know, he's stolen like 55 and 62 bases at multiple levels, like, you know, that, that, that should kind of be a guy that's going to give us some, I think he has like 80 grade speed or something ridiculous, right? So he's a really good athlete and he's not terrible at getting on base. So, um, you know, he should kind of be a guy that would be interesting if he does come up. Yeah, those two bats, especially because we kind of joked earlier about the um, either the platoon options or the guys on the bench. Like we didn't even talk about um, for good reasons, like you said, more and some others. Like 
if these kids are playing well in the minors, there's no reason they shouldn't get a shot at times this season if things kind of dictate the need in Seattle. Yeah, exactly. If these guys are like the bench platoon options for Luke Rayleigh and Mitch Hanniger, I'd be like, sure, let's do this, right? Like, That's why these are good names. I'm I'm honestly surprised no one has drafted them yet because, like I said, I'm not a prospect guy, but there's enough people in these DCs that are going 700 and something picks that there's usually some names I've never thought about that get drafted so quite surprised honestly because it actually fits the mariners needs right now but all right before we wrap things up the question i ask every guest that's a fan of the team what are your expectations for 2024 you still have the astros in the way or not in the way but there um you have the rangers that just won the whole thing so what are our thoughts for the mariners because you you did make the playoffs which was a big step yeah i mean josh Hader going to the Astros doesn't really help um, in terms of trying to try to come back late in games when you have uh, whatever order, right? Like, I don't really care how it plays out, but if it's Hater, Presley, and Brian Abreu closing out the last three innings, like, that's going to be pretty, pretty tough going there uh, to claw back. Um, Rangers, you know, offense is pretty awesome, right? And I think the wild card is just the pitching, but I mean, if they can just get some league average pitching. Um, you know, and just be decent enough. I, I could see them also making a run again. I'm a, I'm a very uh, maybe it's pessimistic, realistic, what, whatever term you want to throw in there. I, you know, I don't, I don't try, I try to just in general, I try not to get too high, too low about too many things, just kind of stay level headed. So, uh, again, you know, reflecting, you know, big picture wise, if you would have told me 10, five years ago that they'd be at this point where they're in, you know, in the playoffs, they've got young talent, I'd be like, I, I'm all on for that, right. Yeah, and that's the way to be in baseball, especially. It feels like in, out of like all the sports to me is things can literally change on the dumbest things that all of a sudden you're not even a contender, but your team's actually good. They just didn't work out that year. So like getting too too highly invested at the wrong times. Like once once they get to the dance, if you want to get involved, okay, that's fair. They're they're there, they have a chance. The one thing I'll say about the Mariners, and I, I just like rooting for I like rooting for a few of these teams, but the Mariners just because I like J Rod, obviously. But you have a great young pitching staff, and that that could go a long way. If all five of those guys can turn into what they we all think they can, that's gonna make thing. That's gonna keep the Mariners in the race. Let's put it that way. So that'll be yeah, absolutely. They got at least three guys that we've seen, you know, give you you know workhorse type you know roles and innings and quality stuff. And yeah, absolutely. I mean that that's where it's fun, right? Like a lot of times we're going to go ballpark and see some of the pitching matchups and big time. Happy to happy to see some of that go out of game. So. For sure. All right, before we sign off, my friend, uh, remind everybody where they can find you, where they can find your work. You can promote your football work too, whatever you got. Throw it all out there. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me again, Bob. I really appreciate oh, it. Thanks for being always. flexible. Uh, and yeah, happy to be on here to talk Mariners or baseball in general. Like you said, I'm kind of ramping up my fantasy baseball content. Uh, do facts and flukes at Baseball HQ. Uh, last year I did the Arsenal report as well, just kind of looking at different pitchers and breaking down their arsenal. Um, through a Rotowire article as well, kind of less so there, just kind of based on time and, you know, life. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I, I, you know, most of my football works is the 33rd team. I do a little bit of the Rotoviz as well. Um, and yeah, as you well, I'm a little bit of a sickle and I've been uh, dabbling into some uh, running back prospects for college football. And so, um, you know, this is a hobby and this is fun and just trying yeah. to, you know, do a little bit for fun here and there. And yeah, appreciate you having me on and, Hey, your your prospect sickness is my golf sickness. Like I do golf stuff when we're all still doing everything else. So <laughs> we all have our yeah. 
yeah we all have our little thing don't you like i literally have golf on tv right now while we're talking about this so. what yeah one of these days i gotta i gotta pick your brain I, I mean i love golf like just playing for fun right yeah. um and, and but yeah it's one of those things where it's like i i, I need a i need to pick your brain on there i got i got blue golf a little more <laughs> i got blue bloomfield got into it for the first time this year it's very entertaining i <laughs> i get a lot of texts some or not a lot i get texts once in a while and he's mad that i got him into this let's put it that way but uh <laughs> I think it's fun. It's fun if you like watching golf. If you don't like to watch golf, it's probably not fun to play. That's all I'll say. But yeah, baby steps. Playing golf is great, like you said. So yeah, it all goes together. But thanks for joining me, my friend. Always fun, and we'll have to we'll chat again sometime. Yeah, for sure. Thanks a lot. All right, everybody. Make sure y'all follow Corbin on Twitter at Corbin underscore Young twenty one. And this was Bench with Bubba, episode six thirty six. Your Seattle Mariners team preview. Catch y'all next time.